If you're ready to create more wealth and success in your life than ever before, this podcast is for you. Robert Allen, New York Times bestselling author and real estate investing expert, has helped thousands of people learn how to accumulate wealth and multiply it quickly through real estate investing. If you're ready to move forward faster and create the wealth you've always dreamed about, then we have exactly what you need on No Money Down with Robert Allen. Hello, everyone. Margie Roman here, and we have the pleasure, as always, to have Robert G. Allen. Ta-da! <laughs> and we are in the Creating Wealth with Robert Allen podcast today. So we are doing the Ask Bob series questions today. Uh, so we got a question from social media saying, um, what would you do different if you were a new real estate investor? So first of all, what are some of the mistakes that you made at the beginning of your career? I'll give you these order. Number one, I would go find a mentor earlier. I did find my first mentor for my first deal. He was a multimillionaire and he helped me buy my first deal. But then I really didn't do a lot more mentoring. I mean, really working with other really, really successful investors over the next, you know, 20 years of my career. I, you know, I thought I was the smarter than other people. And so I would just do it on my own. There's always somebody that's smarter than you. So I would get more mentors earlier and get more mentors, um, the better mentors, frankly. There's just so many little ways of making money in real estate. There's uh, there's making money in, in uh, uh, Airbnb. There's making money in fix-up. There's making money in apartment buildings. There's making money in uh, residential uh, uh, lots. Uh, there's m- making money in conversions from one use to another, you know, from apartments to commercial buildings. There's so many little tiny, you know, ways to get to the top of this mountain. And, you know, I got stuck in one little way and therefore I became the expert at that. I I wish I had figured out more ways of doing it. Uh, Let me give you an example. I I didn't do any commercial real estate. I kind of thought it was silly. I thought it was too complicated That was dumb. That was just dumb. Frankly, I should have done a lot more commercial real estate after my real estate residential career, because let me tell you why. Um, Commercial real estate means you're renting to business people, companies that have AAA credit. Well, I'm renting to apartment owners or apartment renters who have bad credit, frankly, I'm renting to the lower end of the quality tenant, whereas commercial owners are the highest end of the quality tenant. They're usually rich business owners, men, women of all types, and they need a place to put their successful businesses. So I would probably have converted more of my residential into that, eventually into what we call triple net lease. Triple net lease in commercial building is when you don't manage it at all. You don't pay the taxes at all. You you let the tenant do everything and they just send you a check. Well, that's the best. But so anyway, I would have, I would have done more mentoring. The second thing I would have done, um, I would have taken more, more seminars. I would have, so it's not just mentoring with the person individually, but, you know, really being in more masterminds, going to more seminars. I went to a lot of seminars at first. I must have went to, I must have gone to 20 different seminars. Yeah. All around the United (laughs) States. I, and, and I was very great. But then it was like when I got to this certain level of me being successful, made my first million, I kind of backed off all of that. I, ne- I should have never done that. Should have been constantly hungry, constantly learning. 
Uh, and uh, of course, today, these days, I am. I'm constantly learning because there's so much more to learn. Uh, as a beginner, if I were to start all over again, I would have started, um, I, I would have made a goal to buy at least five properties, six properties a year, and I would have stuck with that goal. Um, after a while, you get so busy with all kinds of things you're doing, you don't stick with your buying goals. And it, it really needs to be really important to you because over a long period of time, if you're buying a property every year, two, three, four properties a year, you know, 25 years from now, and you, and you hold on to those properties, they're all free and clear. Mm. They have no mortgages on them. That's right. So I bought and sold too quickly for some of my deals. I made the money. And so I made the money. Where did I put it? Well, you know what that's like. It's like it just kind of dissipates in all kinds of different places. And mm -hmm. the bottom line is I would have bought and held a lot more. And, and if I can say one final thing personally, financially, mm -hmm. is when you're making lots of money and you think you are smart and there's so many places to spend it, you know, bigger houses, bigger cars, bigger travel, bigger, bigger watches, bigger clothes, bigger everything, it's hard to save. And if I were to re replay my entire life, I would have made that absolutely essential that I have to spend less than I earn, period. It's like breathing. And therefore, I have to save at least 10% of all the money that flows into my life that month. I did not do that. Now, I, I made big, big money, and I created great businesses and fortunes and things, but I didn't end up with that cash just sitting there so that when a downturn came and in my life there have been six downturns Ooh, six wow. you know recessions have gone like that in each downturn like 2008 for example i was fully invested in lots of other things and businesses i didn't have a half a million dollars in cash sitting there to go out and buy all these unbelievable deals were selling for one tenth of what they were selling for just a year or two earlier when the market crashed, they're selling for 10%. Well, don't you want to buy 10 properties like that? Yeah. And so the point is, uh, if you're a saver, you're, you're a saver. You just need to. And you say, you're saving it for a rainy day. And for me, I was fully invested and didn't have that extra liquidity. Mm -hmm. So liquidity is really important. That's right. And it's really cool how you were able to learn all of these lessons and that you're sharing all of these ones with us that are starting into investing. Uh, one of the ones that I truly liked um, was and the part of saving, because you never know. I mean, it's really good to have like a whole bunch of money that you're getting from your deals. But you also need to remember that you need to have the millionaire mindset because uh, an employee mindset will be like, oh, wow, I just got a whole bunch of money. I'm just going to spend it on yeah. a Mustang. I'm going to get yeah. a huge house. I'm going to get yeah, yeah. this much jewelry for my wife and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, like just as easy as you got all of that money, it can easily disappear. But if you have the millionaire mindset, yeah. you believe that you truly can do more with the money that you have right now. You could be getting a whole bunch of money coming into your life, yeah. but with a tiny little portion, you could even grow that money even more and have way more resources to help others. You'll notice that when people get sudden money, what do they usually do with it? They're going to get a bigger house, usually, usually a big, big, big house, mm -hmm. which is, as a real estate investment, is the worst real estate investment. Mm -hmm. Because when a big house goes on the is built... It's usually built to the, the the specs of the owner. They're building the house they want to build. 
Well, when you get really rich, you want the house that you want. You don't want somebody else's dream. And so when you find a higher price of when they get into the really, really high price ranges, a million, two million, three million, five million, ten million, when the market softens, they are the hardest properties to sell. And when the market softens, you have all these rich people that are trying to sell. And if they can't sell, they have to hang on to those properties, which makes them don't wanters, right? That's right. Now, what happens when, a, when the market is soft? Rich people don't want those expensive properties anymore because they are nervous about the economy. So they're going to buy something in a lower price range. Maybe not their dream home, but it's, it's nice, but it's in the median price range or below median price range. And therefore, they're being conservative. So all these high-priced home, homes, all the people who could have bought them are buying lower-priced homes. So the demand on the higher-priced homes goes to zero. And the demand on the lower-priced homes is dramatically increased, not from people coming up from the bottom, but people coming down from the top. So these expensive homes are bad investments unless you, you know, unless you've got a special strategy for that. So another thing I would have done, you know, we, we bought our dream homes five or six times. Uh -huh. And every time we bought a dream home, when we sold it, we didn't get all our money out of it, but we were making so much money, we just built a bigger dream home. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we didn't get our money out of that one, so, but we still bought something bigger. Mm -hmm. So I would, if I, were, if I were me again, I would say, Robert, if I go back 25 years, I'd say, don't big another, build another big home. Pay off the one you're in. Be financially free so that you have no more mortgage payments. Don't build a bigger home with a bigger mortgage payment. How dumb is that, you know? <laughs> and so I would, I would have been much more conservative because, as I said, I've been through six dips, six, six recessions. Every time there's a recession, if you're not ready to take advantage of the deals, you're stuck in a big home with a high monthly payment. And you're with every all the other poor people that are trying to get rid of their property. So and you're becoming a don't wonder. Yeah, you're, at that you're point. becoming a don't wonder exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, if you do, you can always rent it out. Now, as soon as you rent out your property, say that this big house that you have, and you you're going to have to sell it, and you're going to take a bath, and you're going to lose five hundred thousand dollars on it. Sorry, you're going to lose it. If you know that's really going to be the case, and the market's soft, and you can't sell, you should move out. And rent it out because they're always rich people want to rent big houses they're always there yeah rent it out as soon as you rent it out for a period of time your tax advisor will tell you how long and how to do that when you rent it you turn it into a business asset then when you sell it you have a five hundred thousand dollar loss which you can apply to your current tax strategy your current tax problems you get to apply a past loss, because you did, you did lose the money, you sunk it in, but now you lost it. This time, now it becomes a tax savings. So you wipe out your taxes for that year, or maybe for the next year or the year after that. So that gives you extra cash that you would have paid in taxes. You get to recoup some of that business loss, and you take that money and you'll invest it in something else. So there are always ways out of problems. That's what you'll hopefully learn from, right. from me, is you, you think creatively. You know, how can I turn a big loss into a gain, and that's what you could do. However, um, as a as you beginners, you know, learn some of these lessons that us old dogs have had to learn <laughs> our way through. If we could repeat it all over again, we wouldn't make those mistakes. But we did. We made those mistakes. We cut. We paid the price. We learned our lessons. We teach you our lessons, 
so that you don't have to make them. That's right. One of the first uh, mistakes that you mentioned that was the one uh, for getting a mentor. And I feel like most people, they get scared of having a mentor because they think, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to spend thousands of dollars in, in, on a mentor. Um, but the funny thing is that now with the age of technology, you have so many ways to, to get a mentor for free. Yeah. I mean, we even have these podcasts right yeah, here. So yeah, yeah. you guys in the audience, if you need some extra help on real estate, you have so many podcasts. Feel free to check them out and you're going to get as much knowledge as you need to be the best investor ever. Uh, and just like you are sharing your podcasts uh, and all your knowledge through them, I feel like there's so many other ways that you can always learn and for free. I remember. Well, free, yes. And this is free. Uh, and yet we do offer ways for people to work more closely with me. And yeah, there is a fee for that. But 99.9% .9 of the people never spend a dime. There's usually about one-tenth of 1% who go, I want Robert to be my mentor. And how do I do that? You know, and you click on the links down below and you can find out how to get a free consultation and everything else. That's it free again. But I'm going to go to a different kind of free. Mm -hmm. When I got started, my mentors were literally free. I mean, they were friends. They were members of my church group that I went to. And, and they were willing to help me and take me under their wing. And, uh, and I didn't pay anything for them. However, there were some mentors that I paid big money to. For example, uh, Jay Abraham, who is a marketing genius. If you're in any kind of business, you've probably heard of Jay Abraham. He is the marketer's marketer. Well, back in the beginning of my career and I was launching my seminar business, I needed a mentor, somebody who'd show me how to do this. So I remember writing him checks for for $25,000, who came out of our business cash flow because we needed somebody who could add zeros, two zeros to our income. And Jay was that guy. And so because he helped us so much, the 25000 that we paid to him might have seemed like a big number. But since he brought us 100 times return our investment, we turned that 25000 into $2.5 million. So was that a real investment? You know, in, in a sense, yeah, it was an outlay of cash. We had to trust him that he would give us enough knowledge that we could turn the 25000 into $2.5 million. But we did. We did. I risked it. I invested it. And, and what, what I'm trying to teach you is that the best are always free. Jay was the best. He was really expensive. He, nobody, very few people could afford him. But we squeezed and pinched our budgets and, and we figured out how to squeeze out 25 there and 50,000 there. And then he became our, our coach, our mentor for several years. We probably gave him hundreds of thousands of dollars over those okay. few years. Yes. But it brought us back big time money. So yes, sometimes you do invest money and sometimes it appears to be really expensive. Mm -hmm. But just remember, this is a lesson I've learned a long time ago. The best are always free. So most people, when they get a mentor, they really don't check that mentor out. And the mentor, sometimes a mentor is just somebody who just decided that they're an investment game. So they're just coach some of their friends on how to do it. And they don't know how to mentor. They really don't have the, the secrets. They don't have the experience. 
And they charge you still the same amount of money, but they're not qualified to be your mentor. Mm -hmm. So you got to be careful about who you're giving your money to because there, there are lots of mentors. There's a whole quality level of mentors that you could go to. You, you, wanna, you want the best, frankly. You just do. Because you want somebody who's been in the game long enough, who knows all kinds of, all kinds of parameters, who is making serious money and teaching you how to do it. You want somebody that's current, but lots a track record. Big time. So that's what I would say about mentorship. That's right. And if anything, always check your mentors, check their track record, make sure that they are the real deal. Make sure that they do know how to help you. Make sure that they have a system even to help you. Because it's so easy to say, yes, I can help you make a whole bunch of deals, but they haven't done any themselves. So right. you got to be aware of that. Thank you so much again, Robert. And thank you to our audience. Now you know. There is so many resources out there that you can take advantage of so you can be the best investor ever. Get mentors, invest a little bit in yourself, in your education, and you'll see how you will have amazing profits in each of the deals that you get. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.